that gave me an eye opener that most people actually trading the stock market really have no clue what to do. You you can see somebody, uh, whether they're on TV, whether you meet them, they're going to give you that next hot tip, stock tip. And I, when I, when I went in there, I was getting nothing but hot stock tips all day. They're like, oh, you got to do this one. And then some, somebody else is trading options and you're like, what's an option? Okay. Yeah. I'll I'll take 2000 options. It was was crazy. (laughs) All right. Welcome everyone to the RLT Pivot Podcast. My name is Tracy and I welcome you to another episode. Today, I am joined by a guest. He is not my co-host today. Mr. Dan Jansen is the guest of today's episode and we're going to be talking everything Dan. So Dan, welcome. Thank you for joining me. How are you? I I honestly don't know why we don't do more episodes of everything Dan. I I don't, this is, (laughs) how do we miss this one before? Not sure. I really don't know. I mean, we've done snippets of Dan, but never everything Dan. So everything Dan. It's a good concept. It's a good concept. It's going to catch on. You like the title? I do. Everything Dan. Uh Perfect. (laughs) All right. Well, you know, if our listeners have been following along for the last three years, my goodness, I can't believe it's been three years. You and I have been doing this that long. And if they'd been following along, they can probably get little bits of your story going in and out of each episode. And if they were taking notes, maybe they would be able to piece it all together. So they have a little book about Dan. Today's episode, I kind of want to throw it all out there. I'd like to start with, you know, what, because I know that you used to work for a prop farm firm. I would like to know your initial I guess, journey into the world of stock trading? So my first stock brokerage account ever was Scott Trade. You remember Scott Trade? Was that, did that make its way to Canada? Not that I know of, no. We used to have commercials with Scott Trade where they, like the CEO was just flying around helicopters all day. And like, that was like the entire commercial and just said like Scott Trade on it. So that was that was the first broker I ever had. I was I was actually interning with MetLife at the time, and so the first I, I can't remember the first stock I ever purchased, but that was the first broker I ever got. Uh, Scott Trade ended up getting bought out by, I think Ally Ally Bank. So, but yeah, so so that was the first brokerage I ever got. First time I was looking at stocks, and I was like, okay, let me let me pick up some shares of X Y Z, whatever it was, and I was just just completely green to the entire industry and what whatever was involved but it was interesting right it was just even though it was very small shares and just a couple shares here and there that was like the beginning for me to to be like yeah you know what i kind of i kind of like trading stocks i kind of like being involved in the market um so that was the beginning and that was before the prop firm um and then i did some some things i was still in school at the time too so it was i was like a long time ago so still in and school, then, but but why? Why then would you even get a, a brokerage? Like what was, what attracted you there? Well, so when I was interning with MetLife, it was, we were talking about uh, financial planning and finding, and there was a lot of other seasoned people in the okay. insurance field and stuff like that. So they would all kind of be talking about stocks and we'd have meetings where how to plan for your future, why have life insurance, why have disability uh, we would talk, there's some brokers there that would handle like 401ks and mutual funds and, and things like that. So we we would we would cover and, and all these guys were kind of not glued the same way we are as day traders, but they would have a good sense of what's going on in the markets. And um, for me, and there was another intern, he was same age, still still good friends with him now. But uh, 
he was he was starting to get into it too. So it was just kind of something that we we just got into and, and found some interest in. And I was like, all right, yeah, I, I kind of like this the stock thing, right? And uh, before that, and this is going back to probably eighth grade, nah, probably like sixth grade, we did one of those like stock competitions where it was like you know all fake money, and you're you're in there for a semester and you're kind of picking stocks. And we were looking at like newspapers back then, looking at like Caterpillar stock price and, and all this. Stuff. So that was like my first initiation into the stock market. Didn't really touch it since, but I, I was like, man, this is this is fun even back back in the day. Yeah. And then when I got into it, there was real money involved and it just kind of kind of grew on me. But so I, I went from that. And again, I was even when I was interning, I was still in college. After college, I started working for uh, a prop firm in Long Island, which it was a incredible experience for both good things and bad things so it was like you show up to an, to an office before the market i think so the market opens at 9 30 we were there at like 8 a.m you walk in there's like desks with computers everyone's kind of hanging out and then you'd have like one guy who kind of knows what he's supposed to be doing and he's like shouting out things like oh yeah i'm gonna buy this uh mosaic i'm gonna buy whatever company it was and we would just be like jumping on trades and then if anybody else so set up so you would learn stuff, but it was there was no there was no education. It was like you bring your own money, they prop you up, uh, 10x whatever your money is, and you're sitting there inexperienced with with no knowledge of the market, really just brand new to everything. You're like, yeah, I like this stock, and people going crazy. There's no risk. There's no. It was just it was nuts, and the whole office was filled with this. So, and they they make their money off, of course, being a prop firm on how many trades you do and transactions. So they didn't they didn't really care if you made money or lost, but the, the one guy in the back, he, he was that was shouting out something. The season guy, he was he was experienced. He, he kind of knew what he was doing, but in the same sense, it was like what he was doing shouldn't be what you were doing, right? It yeah. was like different size account. He was he was older at that point. I was still younger. It was just there was there was people there that was 50, 60 years old. There was twenty one year olds, and there's just a whole chaotic mess of like. It, it, so I'll say it was good because it was a great experience to have. It was bad because there was no. It was the wild west of of trading. So. And so they I didn't even think, have any I don't rules. I think they're around anymore, but what's that? Really? They didn't even have any rules for you to follow. So no, when, they prop, yeah. when they prop you up, none of their money was at risk. It was just all your money. Yeah. So that's that's the problem with with prop accounts. Okay. Um, funded accounts are a little bit different. Prop accounts, if you go in with, let's say you go in with five thousand dollars, which I think is what I I started with with the prop firm. So you're sitting there with $5,000 of your own money. You're able to trade five, uh, $50,000 worth of stock, right? So there's a lot of margin involved with what you're doing. But the pro- and so if you, hit a, if you hit a trade, you're up $800, $900, $1,000, great, fantastic. Because the next day you show up, you have even more leverage. But if you lose, so if I start with $5,000, my first trade, I lose $500. And I go home, call it quits for the day. I come back the next day. They're 10xing 4,500. They take that 500 from me, not from the from the overall yeah. budget. So now, I'm, yeah. technically, I only lost 500, dollars but I have 5,000 dollars less buying power. So you have to be pretty spot on. You have to be able to kind of be a sniper in the market and and really know how to maintain. To, which they don't teach you anything. They, they didn't. There was no education <laughs> on that. It's like if you run out, just re, re up and throw some more money in, and that, that's essentially what it was. But Again, it was it was a good experience, but prop firms are very very tough to to make money because of the leverage, and they're not gonna when you lose you you don't lose their money you you lose yours. Yeah, yeah. Well, what would be three takeaways that you 
had from working in the prop firm that's that's helping you now in your current trading? Uh, three takeaways from that prop firm? Yeah. Or the experience, not necessarily from the prop firm, but the experience of working yeah. in a prop um, firm. Number one is I that gave me an eye opener that most people actually trading the stock market really have no clue what they're doing. Right? <laughs> they're just... You you can see somebody, uh, whether they're on TV, whether you meet them, they're going to give you that next hot tip, stock tip. And it's, I when I when I went in there, I was getting nothing but hot stock tips all day. They're like, oh, you got to do this one. And then some somebody else is trading options. And you're like, what's an option? And, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll take 2,000 options. It was, just, it was crazy. <laughs> but th that'd be the one is is like the lack of knowledge. And again, there was people 50 years old, 60 years old, people that were much older than me at this point that you would just like you go in and you see somebody with gray hair you're like this guy's got to be doing this for a while this guy's got to know what he's doing and they have the same education that you that i had as a 21 year old in the trying to dance around the stock market so it was it was different in that sense but a lot of these retail traders and again most of the market is made up from from hedge funds and mutual funds and things like that there's only three four percent of retail traders which is a lot of volume and a lot of a, a lot of people in the market but most of those people have no clue what they're doing, right? And they're just so eager to just jump on what's the next hot stock and can I get into another GameStop type scenario, whatever the case is. And like, you really understand like, yeah, you could hit some trades, but nobody keeps their money, right? And it's just understanding that the process, I think was the, the biggest takeaway. So just, just really understanding like, and seeing people actually sit there at the computers at day trade, that, that, to me hit home a lot where it was like, Oh, okay. This is really, I think anybody could learn how to do this, but nobody really, especially at that time, nobody really wanted to really get involved. Now I see it's a, some people want to learn and there's a whole bunch of people that still just sign me up for uh, the latest stock tips. And I'm like, you don't want to know why? And like, no, I just sign. Me. Okay. So there's <laughs> a different, different uh, approach. Yeah. Uh, what else did I learn is I learned, I don't like prop prop funds, prop accounts. Okay. Um, because you you are in you're essentially the the client in that situation like they're they're not there to help you they don't they don't care what happens to you just so you, you kind of learn what to stay away from um and then the third thing i would say to take away from is a good question the third one i would take away would be how to stay in the game i, I would say most most of the people that i traded with at the prop firm I can't speak for all of them, but I say most of them have thrown the talent and quit. Mm -hmm. And I would say there was a lot of people who were dedicated, really love trading. And I would, I would imagine, I, I still, I still talk to one or two and they're, they're still trading. I'd say vast majority in the door, out the door, lost the money and they called it quits. And it just kind of shows you like the longer you're in the game, the more successful you, you'll actually be, but there's going to be bumps up and down both ways. So what was the transition from that to where you are now, basically, that kept you from being one of the ones that threw in the towel to learning the lessons that you needed and being successful. I'm, stu I'm stubborn. That's it. <laughs> That's it. I, You're just stubborn. Um, no, I would say there, there's a there's a passion for making money and there's a passion for trading. Okay. And I think there's a big difference between the two where if my passion was to make money, there's a thousand ways I could go with my career, my life. There's a lot of opportunities. Yep. I've, 
I think I fall in more of the camp of I have a passion for trading. I like to understand kind of what's happening in the market. I like to understand the technicals. I like to understand kind of the, the bigger picture of how everything works and then down to like a micro level. I like that aspect of it. And, and I, I think that I see people that are trading and I do see successful people trading. And this is back, back in the, I know people who do very well trading. And I, I'm like, if they can figure it out, I, I can figure it out. Right. So to me, I think that was something that it's just like a little puzzle. Once, mm-hmm. once you start connecting the pieces, once that little light bulb goes off, once you get that aha, aha moment, I think for me, that's, that's, I was like, I, I could figure this thing out. There's, there's no way the, the market's going to beat me. So it was just one of those things where you just kind of stay in the game. And I mean, I still, I still learn something new every day. So there's always something new to, to really discover in the market. Mm-hmm. That's excellent. So what actually forced you out of the prop firm? I think I got a car crash. That was mm-hmm. essentially what happened. So yeah, I, I totaled, I totaled the car when I was like 21 and I just couldn't get to the office. So I was like, all right, all right. That was it. And then I, I, I still had a computer at the house, but it just wasn't the same. So right. it was, just, so, especially being that, that new to the industry, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't the boss's car. Uh, huh? Yeah. It was just, it was just tough to get to the office. And then I, I tried to do it from home. It just wasn't the same, same excitement, same like energy. And there was zero people to ask questions to. So I was, I, I slowed down on that and kind of picked up on, other opportunities. I started working at Mass Mutual for a while. So stayed in the financial game for a bit, but just kind of a different aspect of it for that point. Gotcha. So what led you back into trading world? I would say I never I've never left specifically. I just slowed down a lot. Right. So, okay. So what what brought you back into it full time? Uh probably when I went so I, I owned a must I still have it, still do events, but I own a entertainment company so i was doing that full-time i had a bunch of jobs sales jobs all this stuff in between but i was doing this entertainment business since i was 16 and just kept growing people kept calling and it kind of grew to the point where i'm like you know what i'm making more money on the entertainment thing than i'm i I was doing a a sales job that had great base pay pretty good commission structure i was top of the company in sales like it was like it, it wasn't even but i'm still doing the entertainment thing so i was working at that point Monday through Friday doing sales, doing doing gigs, entertainment, stuff like that. And I was I'm sitting back, I'm like, I'm working myself too hard. So I started to switch over and I was like, I'm making more money doing the entertainment business. Let me do that. And then after like a month of just straight doing that, I was like, I'm bored during the week now. Like now I got Monday <laughs> through Friday free. And then that's kind of when I started to tiptoe back into the markets more heavily and start building, start trading, take more education and kind of learn the process. Um, right. So I think that got me into like more of a, transition into the full-time. Gotcha. So up until this point, you really didn't have a mentor. You didn't have any kind of uh, education and the experience that you were getting was just hands-on. What kind of, I guess, helped you develop your strategies and come into yourself as a trader? I would say I, I didn't really come into myself as a trader until I had a mentor until I, I, which would be Jeremy. Okay. Um, everything else, it was just piecing everything together. It was the straight school of hard knocks, the entire, the entire process. School of um, pain. School of pain. And, and I would get better and better and I would know what I would like to see. I, would, I know what I would look for, but then just having that extra mentor like Jeremy was 
have a plan, be disciplined, just repeat the process. It's, it's okay. Trading should be more boring. And I was, I was looking for excitement all the time. Right. Um, don't, don't trade every day. If you don't see anything, like you don't have to. And just, just having, seeing somebody who is already successful doing it. Um, I would say, I I can't really say that I, I was, uh, the, the trader that I am today before, before Jeremy. Gotcha. How did you stumble across recognizing that you needed a mentor and even finding one? Oh, I didn't because I'm stubborn. I told you that. I'm stubborn. No, I, 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 I was. I, did I was did never... he seek you out? <laughs> that guy started texting me out of nowhere. No. Uh, yeah. Came up for Thanksgiving. Um, no, Santa I would Claus? say, yeah, I, I wasn't looking for. I, I will honestly say I was not looking for a mentor. Um, I would say I was probably looking more for like, on the continued search for like how to trade the market, how to understand the market. And then I kind of stumbled upon Jeremy and okay. then just taking the classes and and really starting to, to understand more about trading through the R system, how RLT does it. That again, I wasn't looking for a mentor, but then, then I was able to talk to him and he picks up his phone and you're like, this is, this is weird. Like, I, I don't know. This is, is this normal? Gives out but, your phone number, his phone yeah, number. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. So, uh, it wasn't. It wasn't like I need help in the market. I was just kind of on a search to be a better trader. Mm-hmm. And I think Jeremy kind of answered a lot of the questions of like how to actually be a better trader, how how to stay focused, disciplined. And then I was like, and it was just kind of one of those things that developed where I was like, yeah, he's 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 definitely a mentor to to me for for trading. Right. What was the biggest change or obstacle that you had to overcome in order to kind of, I guess, make that hurdle? I would say for me, it would, it would be forgetting everything I learned at the prop firm, okay. right? Where it was just seeing how they traded. And like some of the guys would be up a lot of money one day, they're down a lot the next. And I'm like, that should be normal. Mm-hmm. When I met Jeremy, he's more about consistency. And it took it. That was the biggest hurt. Cause I knew a lot about, I knew just from researching a lot and do a lot of homework on everything. I knew about the technicals. I knew about the candles. I knew, I knew a lot about the, you know, the, the basic stuff and how things kind of work. Jeremy helped, I think, piece it together. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it was kind of when he mentioned the word consistently profitable, then I'm like, yeah, it's, it's pretty easy to actually make money in the market. It's, it's actually really not hard. Keeping it is the actual hard problem. Right. And I think most people that go on Twitter or stock tweets or whatever, and like, Hey, I'm Facebook, whatever. I'm up uh, $10,000 today. You're like, great. But then they don't tell you like, I'm still down $50,000 from yesterday. So you only get one side of the story, but learning to become consistently profitable is definitely more than more important than making money on any given day. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, I guess one of the things that I'm, I'm curious about is, you know, a lot of times we look back and think, oh, you know, we have that re- regret, that resentment or that regret about our our journey and our path. And I'm just curious because you've mentioned that you're you're stubborn. And, yeah. and do you think that, that's what my wife tells me anyway? Yeah. <laughs> do you think that had you had mentorship earlier, would it have made a difference or did you need to go through those hard knocks to open yourself or break yourself up enough to be receptive to mentorship later on? That's a good question. Um, only because would I have loved to have a mentor earlier on? 
absolutely. I don't know how that would have like I'm I'm happy now, right? Mm-hmm. So I went on the road of hard knocks first. I learned a lot. And I can't I can't really go back and try to picture myself unlearning what I've learned. And I I, I can't see my I can't see how that I, I don't know how that would have worked. Mm-hmm. Would it have made sense to have a mentor early? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I also never knew I was gonna be a full-time trader either. Like I, I never when you apply to college, right? They ask you like what you want to do. And uh, you kind of pick your major and some people are undecided and all this stuff. Like I, I was a marketing major. I was a mass communication major. I was, I was like, I guess I got to do, if I'm going to college for this, I might as well do something in business, do something in sales. Do, like that's just, well, that's what I went to school for. I never really thought like I should be a professional day trader like ever. So had I, had I would have thought about that when I was 18, when I first started trading or 17, whatever, whatever age I was, if I thought about it then of like, man, I love this so much. I want to do this full time. I probably would have seeked out a mentor earlier. Um, mm. But it, it, that nobody gave me that as an option of like, by the way, you could also just full time day trade. And you're like, like that, that wasn't a career. Right. So it's hard for me to go back and shift things and say, yeah, this is what would have happened if this happened. I don't know. I just know the the road that kind of took me to to where I'm at now. Mm-hmm. No, fair enough. I mean, it's definitely a hypothetical question, right? But I mean, some people can learn to appreciate. I guess that's kind of why I'm asking the question because I want other people thinking about the fact that we are the sum of our journey and we are where we are because of that. And we can change the way that we think about our past and our experiences and all that and be grateful for them because it does shape us into where we are. And I love the fact that you said that you're happy now. I think that's really pivotal and key and, and yeah, no, I just appreciate that. So thank you. Still stubborn, just happy. (laughs) Still stubborn, just happy. How long did it take? (laughs) How long did it take you to kind of develop the strategies and systems that you're currently using and implementing in your trading right now? Dang, that's a good question. I almost want to throw it back to when I first started trading because my all my systems are kind of like for my style, from what I learned, like that started from the first time that I, you know, started trading really. So just the basics of learning. When would I say it got more polished? I'd say probably, I don't know, five, six years ago is when I, probably about six years ago is when I started becoming consistently profitable in markets. Okay. Um, and that's when I started to really, look at the markets more and more and really try to get more involved and, and say, okay, I, I want to shift more time to this. Um, so I think it was more of probably about six years ago is when I took me to really put together the system and, and polish it and, and work on it and build on it and back trade on it. Before that, I, I mean, I, I don't even know if back trading existed when I, when I started trading. Right. So. Yeah. I might as yeah. well go back to newspaper day and look at the, uh, <laughs> look at the stocks like in sixth grade, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I would say I, I, it's more of a profound system, more of a consistently profitable system probably six years ago. What encouraged you to look into the, or what attracted you, I guess I should say, to Elliott Wave? Because that's primarily what you use, right? The Elliott Wave theory. And Yeah, so I'll use, I mean, the first thing I've looked at, and I think a lot of traders will look at RSI. Okay. I don't know why. I don't know how that's like the most, common introductions as stock market but i think the the first thing i ever looked at was like rsi and all i would do is just hey it's low i'm gonna try to buy here oh it's too high i'm gonna try to sell or short 
and that was my introduction. Um, Elliot Wave probably came years later. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Elliot Wave was when I started to really understand that there's people behind the candles, right? Mm. Well, sometimes algos, but for the most part, someone's got to program those algos. Just understanding that the candles, they don't really mean dollars. They mean sentiment. That was the shift that really turned me on to the Elliot Wave that I was like, if you could start to understand how people think, or at least how they express emotions throughout the day, throughout the stock market, that allows you to be more patient. That allows you to not jump into trades as soon as maybe you would have before um, and just kind of let a full cycle play out to attempt to try to play some kind of reversal or just try to understand where you are in the market. So I'll use, I'll use Elliott wave still all the time. Um, But yeah, it was, it was more of really when it clicked that these aren't candles, these are people. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you could understand how you would act in this situation, or at least how you would think in the situation, if you're the one losing all that money, that allows you to kind of sit back and, and say, okay, when, when's the real reversal coming? Like, how does the stock market actually work? And once you get a grasp on that, um, I, I think it, it took a while to, to really, it's one thing to learn the Elliott wave. It's, it's a different thing to, to implement Elliott wave into trades, unless you do it over and over and over again and just be like, I, okay, I think this is the bottom and nope, that's not, I'm wrong. Am I missing a wave? And once you start looking at it more, you start to, to see it a little bit. Gotcha. I loved what you just said there that, the candles are sentiment. I think that's that was just like a huge, huge eye-opening experience. Like I'm hoping some of our listeners heard what you just said. If you didn't, please rewind this section and listen to it again, because that is huge. Understanding and changing that perspective and seeing that candles are sentiment. <sighs> Good on you, Dan. Really good on you. That's just. And if you're listening up yeah. until this point, this is it. It goes downhill from this point. So you might as well. You know. <laughs> That's all I got. That's all I got. Tip your wagers. Yeah, no, no, no. I want you to tell us what your favorite setups are. 